You know what time it is. March 19th, episode 25. This is the Hezzy. Brought to you by BasketballGods.net. Speaking of BBG, that sounds inappropriate. BasketballGods.net. Got a new segment that you can check out on the Instagram. Slicing up signature moves. It's called He Got Skills. Real quick, you know, an IG video. If you're looking to add stuff to your game or you're just interested in the details of some of these signature moves because the devil's in the details, right? The latest one is Luca's step back move. I won't spoil all of the details. You got to go check it out. But one of them is, it's funny because his lack of burst really actually gives him an advantage when it comes to the step back because once he gets even with you, right, the defender, at least in his case, almost always recovers back in front, again, because we know Luca plays at such a slow pace. But it really just allows him to start to initiate that drop-off and that pullback. So if you're a hooper, weekend warrior, whatever the case may be, you might want to add that to your game because it's not something that you have to be super athletic to do. If you're out there on the weekends with a dad bod, you know what I'm saying, you might be able to drop some people off if you slice up and understand how Luke is doing. Have you guys realized now the way scoring is in the league today and how prolific the three ball has become, 50 is the new 40, right? Like if you're a star and you have 40, it doesn't matter. It's all relative, right? And so 40 points 10 years ago, it just meant more than what it does now with today's possessions and how many threes are being taken. Last night, Carl Anthony Towns and young Ant-Man Anthony Edwards both went for 40 as they shocked the Phoenix Suns for their 10th win of the year. Yeah, it's March 19th, their 10th win of the year. I said that right. Listen, man, Anthony Edwards, could he snatch the rookie of the year from LaMelo's hands? His usage rate is off the charts. He's doing it rather efficiently. We may end up here with the situation where you've got one candidate here in Ed Edwards with just prolific numbers, but then you've got Mello, who's also putting up good numbers, but he's doing it on a playoff team. And we don't usually see that often when it comes to the rookie of the year race. A lot of the times someone runs away with it. Just by nature, most of most rookie of the year candidates are on non-winning teams, right? Because they were picked at the top of the draft by bad teams. So you don't usually have this situation. If I were to venture to guess, it's going to be very difficult for Anthony Edwards to win this Rookie of the Year. I think the voters are going to reward LaMelo for being on a winning team. And then I also think that LaMelo's star power is going to be very difficult for Anthony Edwards to overcome. But he had a, a career-high 42 last night against Phoenix. And, you know, I had talked a little about it, I think, earlier in the week. Guys, you can see, are kind of tentative to crowd him and get in front of him. And I'm curious to see how the league adjusts because everybody seems to be gapping him and kind of daring him to shoot. And what it's allowing him to do is kind of dance with the ball, find a rhythm. He'll pull up on you. They're still going under screens on him. He's shooting the ball well enough where you probably can't. But I think that you can't allow that much space is what we're learning with Anthony Edwards. If you let him get comfortable, dance on you, and kind of get some momentum to get an angle, you're done with that big body. 
It's one of those cases where you hear this all the time when you're talking about a prospect. Oh, he's going to be better in the NBA, like they're with, with more spacing, right? And this is a, a very good case of that, where the spacing of the NBA has unlocked Anthony Edwards' athletic prowess. With that 42-point performance last night, he joins LeBron James and Kevin Durant as the three youngest players to score 40 points. That's a nice little category to be in, right? And I don't know if you've caught some of his interviews. Bro is hilarious. Anthony Edwards is hilarious on the mic. And to be honest with you, some of the shit he was saying headed into the draft, it really led me to get cold feet. Initially, halfway through the college season at Georgia, I'm, I'm scouting him. I did two scouting videos on him. I'm like, oh, he's the, he's the number one pick just off his physical attributes. And then after the season ended and, you know, obviously COVID and all this weird draft process, the more I listened to him talk, I didn't like the type of shape he showed up in in uh, that ESPN workout. I started to get cold feet. I really did. But look, the talent is undeniable, right? No one questioned his physical attributes or talent. I think what the question is going to be for Anthony Edwards is, how does he handle the success? He's having success right away. He's been given the keys due to a sequence of events here. And he's clearly the alpha over Towns already. Like, like I can't wait to see him barking at Towns. <laughs> what you doing? Give me the ball. Fuck with a pussycat. Anyway, I'm going off here. No, nah, but... It's going to be the offseason. What does he look like coming back into training camp? How does he deal with the success, the fame, and the money? But hey, man, he's a very fun watch. And if he can stay in shape and stay humble, kid's going to be a star. So who wants D'Lo? Who wants D'Lo? Orlando? Aaron Gordon for D'Lo? So the first night of the NCAA tournament yesterday, the big game was Michigan State-UCLA. And UCLA got the win in overtime. But what everybody's talking about is that interaction between Izzo and his player Gabe Brown headed into the locker room at halftime. He's upset. Gabe Brown shows up his teammate or he's yelling at somebody. Izzo's trying to chase him down the locker room hall, grabs him. The kid pulls away. He proceeds to grab at him. The dude kind of swipes back like, don't touch me. And, you know, they head into the tunnel. Draymond Green, several Michigan State alumni. We're just like, oh, that's Michigan State shit. That's Izzo shit. Don't even worry about it. Here's the thing to me. As a coach, as a parent, as a teacher, as someone who's dealing with kids or young adults, you need to be able to command that respect verbally. I would never have to grab one of my kids because I've established a combination of respect and fear. And don't get it twisted. You need both. You know, what's that that old saying? Like, you know, it's better to be respected than feared. Fine, but you need both. You need both. It's a balancing act. And, you know, as Tom Izzo, the legendary Hall of Fame coach, this is what happens. As he ages, there's going to be more and more of a disconnect. At this point, we all know Izzo in, in that program and how hard-nosed they are, so I, I don't think it is going to be that much. It's not a big deal, but I'm just making the point as – as he ages, you know, it's going to be harder and harder for him to command that respect verbally, right? But hey, man, let's be let's be real here. Some of some of these kids, they need to be grabbed up. That's just what it is. Some you dealing with a knucklehead, you might have to grab them up. That's the reality of the situation. And you know what it got me to thinking about? Have y'all checked out the new Last Chance You on Netflix? So dope. I, I love all of them. Now, 
In past seasons, it's always been college football. This is the first basketball season of last chance youth. Those of you that are not familiar with what the series is, it's a documentary series on a season at a JUCO, a junior college. This time it's in East LA for a junior college basketball team. The coach is a beast, bro. The coach is a beast. Kind of reminds me a little bit of Doc Rivers and the way he speaks and kind of carries himself. But the energy that this dude puts out on a day-to-day basis is elite. It's elite, man. And it's just, there's a purity to it because, mind you, it's last chance you is the name of the game, right? This is the, a lot of these kids are on their last chance here and they'd had D1 offers or for whatever reason it hasn't worked out for them. And so now this coach is super empowered because this is their last chance. So he can punk all those fools. And he does on a daily basis. He brings the energy. But he balances it out, man. You can tell he cares about him. It's just, it's pure coaching. It's pure coaching. It's it's for the love of the game. And so it's very fun to watch. There's three types of kids that you get in these JUCO situations. You've got the plum dumbs, right, who didn't learn how to tie their shoe till they were like in fifth grade. And so they're just not academically eligible to go D1. And then you've got the undersized and under-athletic. In basketball, a lot of the time, it's like a kid who was a big in high school, but he's 6'5". So now you can't go D1. Like you've got to learn wing or guard skills. And then last but not least, and always the most entertaining, are the kids that have the talent, but they're low character. Usually, when I say low character, the biggest flaw that's apparent is a lack of accountability. And then when you lack accountability, it kind of goes hand in hand with a lack of self-awareness. It's very interesting and difficult to deal with someone that doesn't hold themselves accountable. And it's so glaring with some of these kids. You see the talent and you're like, dude, you, nothing is ever your fault. And so I really admire the coach. I Forgive me for not, not saying his name here on this, but the ability to day in and day out come back and still put belief into these kids where in the back of your mind, you know, when you're missing those ingredients, accountability and self-awareness, ultimately, you're probably going to be doing some sort of peasant work eventually. So I highly recommend Last Chance You, the basketball season on Netflix. Don't binge it too quick. Try to try to spread it out. Enjoy it at least over a weekend. The shit is fire. Shout out TJ on Twitter. He wanted some love for his Atlanta Hawks seven-game win streak. Yo, man, I had a feeling Nate was going to get it going. I had a feeling. Technically, I think they're still in the honeymoon phase, right? Got to give Gallinari some love here for finally starting to produce. I know he had the ankle or foot issue early on, but he was looking like a really bad signing, right? He was looking like the worst signing of the offseason, and now he's bounced back. It feels like that historically this is what Gallo does, right? He has these really hot phases, and then he, you know, it's, we'll see. Fingers crossed for him. But look, I'm not going to get too excited yet about this win streak because within the win streak, Let's look at the context of it, TJ. You've beaten the Thunder, the Cavs, the Rockets, and the Kings. Okay, so look, I know you got that win against the Heat. Okay, let's see what y'all do when you come out west here. You got the Lakers, the Clippers. Let's see. Let's see how y'all do here out west. But you're on the right track. You should be excited. I think you should be in the playoffs. I want to see this young Atlanta team in the playoffs. I'm going to play you a snippet from a Hall of Fame shooter. See if you can identify him through his voice. 
Uh, I think the game is still extremely entertaining. Um, there is uh, uh, a, a, a lack of appeal to it right now watching it because there's so many different dynamics to the game that are being lost. Uh, I, I actually said this a, a couple of days ago on my Instagram feed is that the mid-range game is being lost. You know, you, you look at Toronto a couple of years ago when they won the, the championship, they had some great three-point shooters, but you saw them pump fake and get into the paint and shoot the mid-range shot. You can't always go to the, to the basket because you have a big guy waiting on you, but you've seen them stop midway and take a pop shot. Nowadays, what you're seeing guys pump fake and step sideways, you know, on a three-point line, and you're making it a tougher shot. Uh, than necessarily getting into to, to the paint and, and getting something uh, mid-range. So I, I believe it's bad for our young kids that watch. Oh, I didn't know Jesus Shuttlesworth sounded like that. That doesn't sound like Ray Allen, does it? He did, does, he, does he have a, a bum lip? Did he have a big-ass now and later in his mouth during that interview? Or did KG just bust him in the mouth finally? Nah, man. No, so Ray Allen, I, I just I caught that little snippet. For me, I've always made the point that you got non-shooters taking shots now because they're told they have to. And so you essentially have a lot of players playing away from their strengths. But I think Ray brings up an interesting point about the sidestep rather than the step into the mid-range. The thing is about that is I'm not so sure the step in mid-range jumper is any easier than the sidestep. I think part of that is just the evolution of the game and the evolution of guys' skill sets. If you ask a lot of shooters, that's the key word, are you a shooter? But like, for instance, if you ask Jason Tatum, he probably shoots the sidestep better or just as well as stepping in because it's what he's practiced. What I'd like to see about this three ball and how it's kind of gotten out of hand is I think teams, I'd like to see them be a little more modest with giving the green light. If you shoot 30% from three, stop. <laughs> it's just that simple. Did y'all hear this LeVar Ball interview? I can't get the audio. I, don't, I couldn't track down the audio for you this morning. I didn't want to waste time trying to hunt it down. LeVar Ball went on LA radio, I believe, Michael Thompson's show, Clay Thompson's father, Laker Hall of Famer. Um, and there, there's, I mean, we could do a whole show on, on some of the shit. He, you know, he went off. In typical LeVar fashion, one quote that caught my eye and I think that made the headline talking about Lonzo and they asked him, you know, what his future is. Obviously, he's a pending free agent this summer. And LeVar said, quote, let me get in my LeVar voice. I don't know what they're going to do, but I hope he gets traded. I don't like watching him play like he play. Can't stay in New Orleans. Come on, man. But, you know, so that was the headliner of the quote. You know who could stay in New Orleans? Kelly Oubre, who is from New Orleans. Just saying, just saying, just putting that out there. Tom Habistro, NBA reporter, wrote a piece on the Warriors and James Wiseman and Steph Curry particularly in where he called James Wiseman Steph Curry kryptonite. The incriminating number was the offensive rating. When James Wiseman's on the floor, the offensive rating is 102. When he's off, it's 117. My question is, is Wiseman Steph Kryptonite or is Kerr's system big man Kryptonite? I'm not quite sure 
that that's the correlation. Yes, you're sticking a 19-year-old seven-footer who has no experience on there, so the rating's going to go down. But I think that there's more than that. It's more nuanced than that when you actually watch what's happening. And here's what I see. I think that Steph and Draymond know that the system isn't good for a big man with an offensive skill set. And so when he's in there, they almost force feed him the ball knowing like, yeah, we get it. We know you just out here setting screens. You're not even supposed to look at the basket here. We'll give you some touches. And so it kind of disrupts things. So, yeah, he's 19. He's out there making mistakes. But I'm not so sure you can put it on Wiseman as much as you can put it on just the way the system is. It's not designed for a center to do anything more than really screen and throw backdoor passes. I'm going to leave you with this here headed into the weekend. Look, I try to stay out of politics and other stuff because, it, I, to be honest with you, I kind of keep myself in a sports bubble. I'm, I'm not that educated on it. And I know y'all tune in here just for who. That's why you listen. I get it. But what's been going on with the hate crimes against the Asian community, it's not a political thing. It's a humanity issue. There's been so much loss this last year. Fortunately for me and mines, we haven't lost anyone to COVID. But I'll tell you what I have lost. I've lost a lot of faith in humanity over this last year. Just watching the things that have gone on, it's like, come on, man. What, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? It almost seems like for every three decent people, you've got one ignorant asshole. And it's disheartening that it's that ratio. Right? You'd hope that it would be like 1 in 10. The internet has gone crazy with cancel culture in part because of this over the last year. And in a lot of the cases, rightfully so. But really, I just want to remind everybody that it's not about social media or what you say on the internet. It's about your day-to-day -day actions in the real world. How do you treat people face-to-face? -face? We, can, we can all go on social media and make statements and, and act like this. Day to day, how are you living your life? Because I'm all right with the way I'm living mine, and I know a lot of you are. But we got to hold people accountable, man. We got to hold people accountable. This isn't about Donald Trump or politics or even the virus. This is, this is humanity shit. We got to be better. Y'all enjoy your weekend. I'm out, y'all.